and welcome to the deep dive in what was a pretty quiet week. Quietest week. Quietest week we've had it all year. Yeah. Don't know what we're going to talk about. What do you want to discuss? There's Casbolt. I mean, um, there's a Gold Coast scenario. Bit of, bit of Gold Coast. They're playing extremely good football. And AFLW is around the corner. That's true. Eight weeks. So big story, obviously. Yeah. We'll lead with the gaff scenario. So eight weeks. Just got handed down in the last few minutes. Yeah, and that's probably why we started a little bit late. We just wanted to make sure that we did get the news before going live. So if you haven't seen, you haven't been on Twitter or any other social, uh, Andrew Gaff is suspended for Done. eight weeks for his hit on Mr. Brayshaw. Yeah, so I mean, if you did miss this week, which I'm sure is basically impossible, but it's a very, very brief scenario. So Gaff uh, was charged in the tribunal, so big hit on Brayshaw in the Frio derby. Massive hit, looked like he was sort of going for a jumper punch. Regardless of that, he didn't yeah. flush in the jaw, broke his jaw, stuffed up a whole lot of his teeth came out that there's this now nerve issue thing, which is really bad, so in terms of ongoing damage. So we, you know, in our podcast last night, we spoke a fair bit about how, you know, a whole lot of, you know, ongoing stuff that can happen. So, yeah, yeah it's a massive story. And as much as, you know, with AFL Deep Dive, the podcast that we do, this is the first time you're listening, you know, we, we really cover the game play by play. We, we try not to sort of go too much into minutiae. Even suspensions, we won't talk about too much. But when it's this major... And of such a key player to such a what you know seems to be a very key team at the back end of the year, you have to cover it. Yeah, absolutely, and also it brings into play where the AFL is trying to lead and whether it needs to be um, seen and adjudicated outside AFL boundaries. There's so many issues that come into play that actually do have a, an effect, not just in next week and for the rest of the year, yeah. but long term where the AFL because they're they thought there was a precedent set with the Barry Hall incident a few years ago, but obviously the changes and the game has evolved so much in that time. It was a conjectious issue about yeah. whether this should be seen outside in normal um, tribunal or into courts yeah. or whether AFL just uh, played it out the way they did. So lots to see, obviously, um, on a lesser degree. Obviously, Gaff was probably top three going into the Brown, so that's him out well, of the Brownlow, Brownlow race. As well, I mean, that's yeah. I mean, it's it's not even a secondary; it's more of a tertiary um, concern now. Obviously, Gaff included. You would say the biggest concern is how um, Brayshaw comes out of uh, surgery well, um, and the long term effects to him as a player, and then secondary is how to Gaff and the West Coast move so on from him. Um, yeah, um, so I think look, the key the key thing for me is that. So we're going to go through, we have to go through the gaff scenario. So the questions are open, guys. So definitely um, get onto the Facebook side there. You've got the, the question box to chuck anything up. So we are going to cover gaff. And if you do you know, think of a question during other discussions, don't worry about it. We are going to have some question time at the end. So we'll go through gaff and, and the score review, which were the two sort of biggest stories out of the weekend. We're going to do a bit of a breakdown of the, the Hawks Geelong game. Normally, we probably would do a little bit more around the upcoming round or some, some bigger yeah. stuff around the, the football, but obviously, there's two pretty massive stories, and as it's just happened, it's um, worth discussing now, and then at the very end, we are going to do the questions, as I said. Yeah, so definitely, definitely hit us up with any questions that you've got. We've already been sent some really good ones this week. Excellent. So, Gaff, I mean, so let, let's break down. So, eight weeks, so now we know the result. We uh, went through it pretty heavily on our podcast last night. I mean, obviously, we've gone through the specifics. The, the thing for me with Gaff is it, it needed to be at least this sort of range. So we spoke at, you know, five, six weeks would have been pretty ridiculous. Yeah. I know there was the, the bug scenario last year and a few of these other scenarios that have happened in the last few years and the, the Hawley thing and some of that stuff. But a lot of that stuff seemed to be uh, a bit more accidental than this. Yeah, the, the bug thing was pretty poor, but I, I think that one seemed a lot more accidental than this. He was directly facing Brayshaw the entire time. That's a thing. Like, even though he, he did go, it seems that he went for the sternum sort of area, the reality is he was facing him the entire time. So even not like Barry Hall from the, you know, the turnaround swing, he was looking at him the entire time. Yeah, absolutely. So while the intention to hit the head may not have been there, the intention to hit and strike the player was. It was clear because they were face-to-face and I guess there lies the very bottom of the... I mean, you talk about glass in, we'll talk about a glass fall. That's the bottom. So yeah. anything sub-seven weeks was going to be 
never seen by anyone as a comprehensive result as far as what actually happened on the field. And once you get to eight, nine, ten weeks, obviously there's the, the moral side argument that you need to take out of play because the AFL as a whole work in a particular way, as you and I discussed. Mm. And anywhere between eight and ten weeks is probably going to be the accepted by both parties. Anything above ten weeks is probably going to seem excessive by a lot of people in the, yeah. frater- in the AFL fraternity. So as far as good results go, obviously there's no good result when you're talking about an no. incident like this. And the optics of it are quite poor, obviously, with the, the victim being... A young kid. Like yeah. that's that's the reality of it too. Like there's so many dimensions to all of this. Uh, and I think let let's break down a few of the specific ones. So another thing that happened today. So Trevor Nisbet spoke this week and said, "Oh, it's a you know he put a press comments forward as I think a lot of the messaging out of West Coast wasn't you know necessarily very well done." And he, Nisbet came out and I thought it was better than Adam Simpson personally. But the only thing about it was he he, he said around this whole golfing scenario that. You know, they were playing golf only a few days ago and I can't believe that this has happened. Now, Matthew Pavlich has come out today and said that that's, that's ridiculous. That's made up. Yeah. So that adds another pretty weird layer to this whole story because why make that up? What, what, why? It's the most bizarre scenario. Like if you're the West Coast CEO, like people were saying that GWS handled the Cameron thing poorly. Like it just feels significantly Absolutely. worse. Absolutely. Because if that's true, I mean, that's absurd. Like, why do you have to fabricate a storyline of them being close mates when if someone could just out you? Straight away. I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was was very poorly handled in that regard. I actually think what's come out of both camps, West Coast and Freo, has been subpar. I think it's been amateur at best. Not because I don't disagree with clubs protecting their players and, and whatnot. I just think it's been handled as though it's A versus B when really the team should be coming together. Yeah. I mean, the, the spotlight's on WA football, generally speaking. The, this, the Wild West has come back up. We haven't talked about the Wild West of, uh, in Aussie rules football for at least a decade, if not longer. Well, it's on again and now, now it's up again, and, and that's really contentious. So really, if I, I was any party of, of Fremantle and, and the West Coast Eagles, I'd be coming together to... to build a bridge and and work together as a team because yeah. at the moment WA football is on its not on its knees but it's looking in bad light for the, from the rest of the AFL community from an outsider's oh, perspective. Oh yeah, I mean that like obviously financially a lot of things are going fairly well but that's yeah. The, the the yeah, I mean it doesn't the optics of that game don't look great and it added really its most, you know, intense chapter really nearly I think mm. between these two teams. So that's that's really the optics of it and that, that's what we've discussed. I guess, you know, in terms of eight weeks, do you think that's fair enough? Do you think that that's about right? Like like just overall factoring everything in, everything that we know, do you think that's fair or do you think it should be more or less? So two sides of me. So I'm going to have to go with the AFL hat on and I say that was my bare minimum. I, I thought he would have got tw- 10 to 12 weeks personal. And for me, that well, they went, really, they went for that. Yeah, and, and that would have sat really comfortable. Now, take myself outside and have a very objective moral p- perspective on it. Absolutely. He's, it's a disgusting result. I think it should have been 12 months minimum. But that's not the way it's adjudicated. And you understand that that's just the nature of AFL football and professional sports yeah. at the moment. So you have to take uh, horses. It's not graded like hitting someone on the street. That's... No, exactly right. It's it's not, and we'll never understand the reasons why. And people who aren't into football will always argue that it's a hit and it's a hit. And maybe we need to look at removing boxing as part of their training re- regime, so it's not psychologically in their head that boxing is a part of football. Because... But this stuff doesn't happen very often, though. This no, is it's not very something that rare. happens. Yeah, you don't once want to have a season or once every few seasons. So it's not. I don't know whether we need to remove boxing, but it's more. Yeah, I think. But so you think in relation to the reality of sport, it's fair. That's basically what you're saying. But in yeah, morally, yeah, you think it should be more. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think twelve months is a bit rough, but I think yeah. I mean, I, I, like he's he's not. The reality is so. It depends on how many games West Coast are going to play from here. But he's, I mean, he's obviously missing all of West Coast season, so that's that's over. That's so right. even if they made it to the grand final, the long way around, it, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So bare minimum, it's either going to be the first week or so, you know, early on the next year. But more likely, he's going to miss some significant time, either with West Coast or with another club. So let's use that to pivot into that scenario. How do we think this factors into free agency? 
So the obvious other thing is that he's missed out on the Brownlow, which just basically means Tom Mitchell's even more of a chance. So that we can, I think we can park. We don't really need to talk about that one no. too much. It, it just becomes fairly obvious who's going to win. But in, I think the, the key thing to talk about is that, one, one how, how does it impact West Coast's season from here? And how does it impact his, his free agency and or staying? So yeah. let, let's, start with, let's start with free agency and or staying. Yeah, uh, just one thing before we go there, and it was touched on by uh, Matthew Lloyd when he did his, uh, his incident in 2009. He feared, like, and this is the thing for Gaff, yes, Brayshaw is going to have a lot of mental scars and, and physical scars, obviously, from what happened. But Andrew Gaff now is going to go out on the park knowing in the back of his mind that there's going to be potential retribution, not just from Fremantle players or even Melbourne with um, Angus Brayshaw. Yeah. And, and, but he, he might be targeted by lots of different players knowing that what he's done is not seen as something you should ever do. So there's that part of it. So his whole game may suffer as a result of this and obviously saying a lot of remorse. Yes, it'll have a major impact on his uh, bid for a new contract. I don't think... Even West Coast, if they if he decides to stay there, will offer him what they would have. Uh, I don't think they could change their offer. Yeah, I think that would be yeah tough now, especially given he's had an offer in front of him for a while. So that'll stay, and that's then any, all the and, word. Yeah. yeah, and then any club that was interested in, I think, has reduced either by a year or significant uh, financial amount. So yeah, it does. But look now, but if you're a St Kilda, you'd. you'd not care about a, a round or two or even three. No, St Kilda you wouldn't, and I guess it depends where that particular As club is, is, is uh, oh, sitting at the moment. They've offered. Yeah, but, it, but in other clubs, like let's just say yeah. Hawthorne's in the ring or Richmond are in the ring, um, they'd probably reduce because they've got bargaining yeah. chips. That yeah, and it made, if he goes to a top team, you're right, it could have some impact. Now, let's, let's also talk, because this has kind of gotten quite lost, and you and I really like to focus on the football more than mm. anything else. So let's, let's talk about it from that angle, because it's been from every other angle I've seen discussed a lot. How does this factor into West Coast season now? So they're going to head into a finals with no Nick Nat and, and no, no Gaff. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing, and, and potentially other injuries here and there as well. Yeah, there's I no mean, Kennedy still. Still, so. and, and up, other up and downs. I mean, how do we feel that, for me personally, I think this, is, this could have serious impact on them. He's a pure wingman. He's been a serious cog in their piece all year. And it's a big reason why this is such a big story, is that he's a massive piece to their side. And taking him out, it, it, it's a massive impact. To me, it's the equivalent of you know, taking you know, a range of top players out of a lot of clubs. He's clearly at the top of, of their list, I think. To me, he's easily top 10 on their list, and you can mount a very strong argument he's top five. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. So now that responsibility, I mean, Shuey's had niggles all year, so there's more pressure on him to perform yeah. well. And we've, we know what, unfortunately, he hasn't been able to perform in big games in finals in recent times. So uh, Elliot Yo, more pressure on him. And now those second and third tiered midfielders really have to step up to the plate. And I don't think there's too many at West Coast that could... But you can't replace a gap anyway, because as you said, he's a... A legitimate winger and there's yeah. not too many of them in the no. game at the moment because they're not bred to play that style of football yeah. so yeah without as you said Nick Nat um, Kennedy's still not there this is a massive dint uh, at the pointy end of the season for Especially, West Coast yeah and for them to go deep they have to finish top two because while they've played well on the MCG a lot of that's had to do with Gaff's run yeah and that's it it's it is going to have a serious impact. So Matt's just asked a question that we'll, I think we'll answer now because it relates directly to the topic. So Matt's asked, is West Coast still a GF you know, a contender? Are they still a serious contender into the, into the finals? I would say yes. Yeah. I think yes, but there's still very much, there's a serious doubt on it though. I mean, it's, we really need to see, because a piece as important as Gaff, pulling him out, is, is a, a semi-restructure of their, their list. And they're going to have to figure out a range of new tactics in order to combat that if they can't find a direct replacement. And I don't know of a direct replacement that can come in and, and do what Gaff's been doing immediately. So it's, 
Yeah, it's sort of like with GWS, for example, how you know they lost some really key players to their structure, so Green, and they lost Kelly for sections, and Scully, and it took them a few weeks to really figure out how, and good teams can do it, but it can take a few weeks to kind of restructure yeah. and figure it out. Maybe it means West Coast come in at fourth or third or fifth or something like that rather than second or third Yeah, because of this, because they might lose a couple before that. But the problem is there's not that many games to go. So yeah, for me, I think it, it's going to have absolutely have an impact. But I think it's still yes. I think that this is. I think it's still on, but yeah, I, it's a lot tougher. Yeah, I agree. So if you look at all the contenders, or basically every team in the top eight, bar Richmond, they've all got injuries or have continued to get injuries. Yeah. Even this late in the season, obviously, the most notably being GWS have played most of the season with key injuries, got them back, and now have suffered a few more injuries to some key personnel. So they were looking like the team mm. to really contend, and now they're going to be pushed again yeah. uh, with those injuries from the weekend. West Coast, obviously losing Gaff, still got a couple of injuries. Collingwood, we know, they just keep getting injured. Uh, Sydney, you've got injuries. Everyone's got injuries at the moment. Except, so the uphill battle is for the seven teams that make up the eight who are going to get past Richmond because Richmond at the moment are flying and I'm mm. sorry to just divert from West Coast but it's no, who is going to play Richmond talking, at this yeah. point because of injuries mounting up and, and leading into this question Gaff not playing for West Coast is a significant out it is case. yeah it's, it's a serious out and it's a serious piece so we better keep moving but it, I think that answers a few of them if you do have some more questions at the back end of the podcast we are going to do further questions around that so we're happy to answer any more but yeah, I think absolutely. yeah in, in short yes it, it's going to impact his free agency but only in relation to a top team it's going to impact the Eagles season without a doubt are they still contenders probably yeah yeah. But, it, uh, you know, I mean, we've seen over the last few years teams pretty low down the eight winner, so it is absolutely possible. But, yeah, I mean, that, the big key thing, as you pointed out, is getting that home final and yeah. with, without a key cog, with a, only a few games to go, and still the possibility of dropping down. Yeah, it's, it's, and GWS are coming, so that's, that's the thing. I think mm. that's, the, that's the biggest threat. But we'll keep moving to the other biggest storyline yeah. of, the, of the week. So it was such a massive story. The first four games, obviously, this round were incredible. So we, we did a, another uh, two hours, as we always do, through our review. We review every game. We went through the first four. It took us. We could have easily done three hours on the last round because it was such an amazing round of football. Oh, a massive round of football. And yeah. it's just disappointing that yeah. the lead story is something pretty bad. I would have loved to have gone with how good is football as yeah. the story because it, it's, it, it was incredible. We saw really four classics back-to-back. And yes. I, I think in, in a large perspective, you know, at least two or three, you can make a pretty strong argument were incredible games. So the, the only blight out of the first four, really, because it was just so incredible, but out of the SA derby. So let's, let's get into this next one. So the, the finishing scenario with Jenkins and the was it a goal, was it not a goal? So again, another, we're still talking about the score review nearly 10 years on. Uh, obviously, that hasn't been in for so long, but post the Tom Hawkins thing that raised this whole thing. What do we feel about it? So we went into it a little bit in the podcast, not heavily because we, you know, we had to keep going through through the game, and we want to talk a bit more about you know Adelaide structuring and and why that was able to to beat Port. But how do we feel about it? I mean, it, it's do we want to get rid of it? Given it's it, it there's been a lot of failures. I understand the argument today that yet when you look at that footage with it being reviewed, how can you look at that and think, oh, you know, that's definitively a goal or a point like you can't really make up your mind no, either way no. which means that it's inconclusive which means it goes back to the umpire's call but given the goal umpire seemed to be pretty confident that it didn't hit the post the big thing for me is it, i think it looks like it changes trajectory what what do you think out of it having seen it having we discussed it last night thought about it a bit more do you think that it hit the post i mean it's funny because it always you, you decision and your thoughts change after you hear different views and, and things like that. So I've listened to a lot of more, more news than I would normally um, post around a football uh, just because there's these two big incidents that have occurred. I just wanted to get a feel for what the rest of the country were feeling. And someone noted that while Jenkins came out and admitted he thought that it hit the post, the Port Adelaide player that was actually right near the goalpost went to set up uh, as if it was a goal. So yeah. he thought it was a goal as well. So you put this into uh, context and the issue is 
what we've got in place at the moment is inconclusive. I mean, the AFL have come out and said that more often than not, it has worked and got the result right. I want to see these stats, yeah. back them up with something. But ultimately, it's always going to be uh, a point of conjecture unless it is absolutely inconclusive. So the idea of having a um, mechanism on the post that we know if something touches it, it lights up or does whatever. So you go, yep, cool, it's black or and some white. Sensors or, or yeah. we strip it back and go back to the goal umpire, which inevitably we go back to the goal umpire maybe 40 or 50% of the time and yeah. give it to them as their decision. And if they make a mistake, they make a mistake. Yeah. I, as a supporter of AFL, would rather have human error because it happens out in the field anyway. I get when yeah. it comes to big finals, there's more money in it than it was 20, 10 years ago, things like that. And so more, bring more the technology as well. Yeah, like, so bring the technology in if that's the case. Well, that's what Ken Inkley said. I mean, and he makes a, a point. He was obviously very angry and very heated at the end yeah. of the game. But a, a larger thing of what he's saying makes sense. I mean, he, he, he basically was saying that it's a billion dollar industry. You know, we're, we're trying to get this right. If we, and he didn't say this, but what he's implying is if they miss out on top four because of this one game, and the season is that close. I mean, it mounts a pretty strong argument. If they have a totally different pathway to the finals, it's another whole alternate dimension of what would have happened if that had been called a goal yeah, or a abso- point. And absolutely. And, and yeah. to go on with that, there's been a number of incidences throughout the year that have really made the AFL look um, amateur, obviously, that started off early in the year with the fence issue. Yeah. And you would have thought after one, yeah. they'd make sure all the fences were protected. Having a second time... It happened three times before they made sure the LED lights. I'm like, They're too slow to react and, and, and very, very traditional. And you and I watch a lot of NBA, and I think the thing for me is often if there's a... And they get things wrong, obviously, as well. You're, there's always going to be mistakes everywhere in any sport. But I don't mind if there's a technology that can analyse the post or get the vibrations or a laser or what, what obviously whatever not coming they, from a tech yeah. background, but whatever that is, it does exist. So if, if it can be installed... The thing for me is I actually don't mind waiting two or three minutes to get it right. Like obviously, yes, that, that affects the, the flow of the game. I get that. But if it's, it's given how important it is and how much we have to get this sort of stuff right, if that ball did hit the post and Port Adelaide get knocked out of the finals, I mean, it just, it, you have to think that it's, and given Jenkins, and you see him mouthing, I'm pretty sure it hit the post. Yeah. And then after the game, he says that to Rusciuto on the on the ground. So I, I don't know. I mean, it, we, we have to work. There's got to be a better way to get this right. And, and with the amount of money that the AFL makes and with the resources that they nowadays have, I mean, in the old days, obviously, this just wasn't possible. But yeah. surely that this, this has to exist. And you look at the guy that, that brought in the, the Hawkeye for the tennis. Like, that didn't even cost them that much money. It was more about getting the technology out there from, you know, different sports and then that spread to so many other ways and he made so much money out of it through, you know, spreading his business and advertising what he was doing. So, I don't know. They're, they're, it has to exist. And I know they've looked at it, but it, they, they seem to think that it... You know, McLaughlin was on Talking Footy last night and he was basically suggesting that it creates more issues than solves, supposedly. But, again, exactly like what you said and what we say constantly, show us. Show, show us the data of this. Why not be transparent about it? Yeah. If there is a, I don't know, a company in Silicon Valley that has this, you know, technology that could actually do this uh, and you've, you've tested it and it didn't work for reasons A, B, C and D, why, why can't that be public? Yeah, why I why do we have to keep wondering as to whether like a, you know, a Boston company, when you see stuff online where there's clearly companies that could deal with things like this and yet we're always in the lurch. We're always just sort of wondering, well, do they do point do these guys know each other like have they is this the technology that they tested it's just a bizarre scenario and it's just sad to be talking about it. and again it was, it, it's it's frustrating because it was such an amazing game yep why aren't we talking about the football exactly. but you can't, it's hard, hard it's very hard not to when it could have such massive consequences especially when the AFL are going out and and testing new rule changes in yeah. Uh, the VFL and other well, and other leagues. Why can't they then test these new technologies out? See if they work in in those types of games and 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 do so this knee jerk reaction to things that happen from one year to the next. I personally would like to see it end. I thought the weekend's football showed exactly what is really good about our game and the coaches and and whatnot. 
can obviously make the game more appealing if they if they choose to. And I think if you allow them the opportunity to play season in, season out for two or three years without any rule changes, they will because they'll have to evolve to the game plan yeah. that's winning games of football. So obviously we've seen that with rucks now. For those teams that had a dominant ruckman and the rule changes to the third man up, it took a couple of years, but now though they're getting much more exposure and, and, and playing much better football, having that big yeah. dominant big man. So I think the natural evolution of game plans and styles happen without the rules having to change. But going back to that point, we've got to get these types of things Correct first, sorted yeah. so that there's not... It's like every week we have a conversation around this type of stuff, whether oh. it's the um, deliberate uh, out-of-bounds, the uh, protected zone, all yeah. these things that it's always up to the individual umpire to call. It's not a clear black and white... Um, answer to the rule so yeah. yeah it's just too tough we were gonna it's funny you mentioned the <laughs> the new rules and whatever these things are we were going to talk about that but we just don't have time tonight but yeah. The, yeah I mean it's funny like you talk about you know infl- in, you know bringing new things in and all that sort of stuff and the the game at Coburg the scoreline looked pretty stock standard AFL the, the goal square looks ridiculous I actually think it's going to cause more blowouts than, than not that's another whole discussion. Yeah. But the the yeah. Anyway, it didn't seem to have a hell of a lot of impact. So I don't know why they would even bother bringing it in. No. But I get how it can affect some games late, but I don't know. Yeah. Given how we had basically four games in a row that were unbelievable, I mean, it seems seems a pretty strange scenario that we're in. I think so, so too. Let's keep moving because yeah, we've got so much stuff to cover. We'll do a very very brief discussion, then we're going to do a bit of a preview discussion as well into the Geelong Hawthorne game. But just a very, very brief one around Lynch. So this yep. happened after uh, we were on air last week. So the, the Tom Lynch scenario, so basically he came out and said that he was leaving the Suns, which, you know, surprise, surprise. So we obviously knew he was going. Tom Lynch, you know, is going to, you know, says he wants to go to Melbourne, hasn't named a club, so he can't really go that far yet. We had a sort of a back and forth argument and said, you know, well, I guess us and the AFL, the AFL kind of want this on the download, but then they're not very specific about it and their tampering rules are, are very broad and not, mm. not exactly very clear. I mean, how do you feel about the, the Gold Coast sacking him and, and basically, you know, as captain and, and coming out the way they spoke about him pretty much exactly the same way they spoke about O'Meara? I mean, do we think that there should be a bit of ownership for the fact that, that he's been there for eight years and they haven't given him a suitable work environment to allow him to flourish, and he's a really quality player, and there's mass exodus pretty much year in, year out at that club, and player retention is almost their biggest issue, aside from finance, really. What do we think about this? I mean, for me, I thought it was poor. I mean, they, get, they have to do it, and I get it, but because initially I thought, oh, well, yeah, well, how's he going to be captain? But then, like, the following, when you sort of read through that press release and, and the whole narrative around it, it was just sort of, I don't know, it just looked poor. I mean, like, they've made so many mistakes, the Gold Coast. What do you think? I mean, like, where, where, where do you stand with this? Yeah, first of all, I agree. The Gold Coast Suns, whether it be Mark Evans or whoever uh, in charge up there, needs to come out and actually take ownership. Go, yep, the way we've gone about um, the football as a f- club has not worked and we take full responsibility. Yeah, clearly. So then, then they take ownership of the whole situation. I agree taking the captaincy off Tom Lynch was the right way. Yeah. They went about it the wrong way. In the way. wrong way, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's not playing for the rest of the year anyway. So what's the point of having him in the leadership club when he's made it clear that he's not going to be there next year either? So I feel the decision to strip him of the captaincy made sense, just yeah. the way it came, came about and the way it was perceived in the media. Probably could have been handled a little bit better, which is unusual considering um, the amount of media experience Mark Evans has previously at his role as media liaison officer at Melbourne. I think that was his role. And then he was obviously team manager manager at Hawthorne and then obviously high up at AFL. But so, I yeah. think, yeah, you're right. But it's it's the other thing too is that when I when all these sort of big wigs went up from the AFL up to the Gold Coast, I thought that this would be really a rebuild of their back of house. Like all the talk is rebuild on, on field, field, and that makes sense. But to just to you know add to what you're saying, what, why can't we get a rebuild off the field? I mean, they've been clearly extremely poor. They've had 
two captains leave. They're probably going to have a third one leave in May. It looks like he's gone as well. Why would he stay? Well, he well, he's contracted. So well, a lot of talk that he has an out. So it, there's still there's there's a lot of the talk at the moment is that if they can get a quality trade for him, they'll do it. Oh, they will, but that's their decision. Of course, and that's that's fine. They don't want another year with no. And I think that'd be smart. That'd probably be one of the positive things that the Suns do if they decide to go down that path. Yeah. I think they need to recruit heavily in their assistant coaches and get some quality ex-players. Maybe that, fix their soft cap a little bit so they can get some some better assistants up there or I don't know. They've got to do something because yeah. this is a $200 million mistake really at the moment. And follow the GWS path. And if they can go back to yeah. the draft and get some really quality young players, build from there, I think... Uh, Lockie Weller should be made captain, regardless of what happens with May. He you reckon? Well, he wanted to go there. Yeah, he's a senior true. player. He's pretty good. I think if you can have someone like him stand up Still and a be young, a leader, yeah. I guess they don't have anyone. Who the hell no, are they going to get? Exactly. So any of their senior players, like Riscatelli, probably only got a season if that left in him. Nice. I, I just think if they're going to do it right, get a young captain in place who wanted to be in the club. Yeah. He came from an, across the country, basically. Uh, to be there and then build that strong culture in the background. And it will take some time. Yeah. We've seen it with lots of clubs, but you get the culture right, the success will come. And they can't be talking about finals. They've got to just talk about winning games on a regular basis mm. uh, more than anything. That Just little steps. Well, I mean, if, if anything was an obvious you know, pointer for needing to do a full-on reset of your whole club, your whole business overall, is that a club that is a year younger than you obliterated a team on the bottom of the ladder with two less people on the field, and in a normal week we would be discussing that. Yep. And then simultaneously, you're you're getting absolutely murdered by one of the top sides. Like it, it's shocking just how far apart those two clubs are. And yeah, with an extra year head start, it, it is just incredible. So. Anyway, we, we just wanted to kind of cut because we have been doing a rolling discussion around free agency and Lynch because he's this ongoing story and we don't really cover that sort of stuff in our podcast as much. But yeah, I mean, it's, it, was dis, it was poor. And I think if they, they, they have to do a full-blown reset on the entire club in every respect. Yeah. But I think the way Lynch has handled it has been poor as well. I'm not taking anything away. He, he's known for way too long now that he was going... Leaving, he should have stepped down as a co-captain well, at the start of the year. Yeah, and because that's just the way it's unfolded. But I think I think what threw him under the bus was, and I'm not having a go at Nathan Buckley, but he really needed to not say on live television or fairly live television that he had oh, spoken. Yeah, that's what's that's what started yeah. this rolling. So when Nathan Buckley said that on Footy Classified that he had spoken to Lynch and met with them, the club then were like, "Hey, what are you what are you doing?" Because he had said. I hadn't met with any clubs. Yeah. So when he says that on TV, then Lynch has to say, yeah, look, I did, but I didn't want to tell you. So then that creates a really awful situation for him. And maybe that's why in the last two or three weeks, all we're seeing now is that, I mean, who knows? But all you're seeing is that Richmond are the front runners. So maybe that yeah. that paid him off. Who knows? But we better keep moving. Let's, moving. let's talk about the... And if, it, before we do actually quickly, if you do have any questions about Lynch or free agency, definitely hit us up at the end. So let's go into the Hawks and the Geelong game. So we'll do a bit of a preview on this one, not too deep. We'll do a bit of an interesting discussion around, a bit of fun around sort of matchups, where we think the game is going to get played. We will record our preview episode tonight, so that'll be up tomorrow, so you can listen to that one. We'll go into that game very heavily, that yeah. episode. But let's, let's do a bit of a preview over it before we go into question time. So where do you see this game playing out? I mean, Hawthorne... You know, quality win last week in what was, I thought, the game of the round, and that's a pretty big tick given how incredible the round was. It was unbelievable from start to finish. Essendon playing for their season, and Hawthorne still managed to get it done. We spoke a couple of weeks ago that Clarko was really ready for a Clarko type of win. Mm. And, the, you know, that Hawthorne defensive cluster is back. You know, you've, you've got amazing stats from Stratton getting, in, you know, just record amounts of you know, intercepts he you know just such quality from their back line which is not you know filled with a lot of famous names their midfield O'Meara is starting to lift you know Mitchell's had you know leather poisoning again and then now you're getting all these younger guys like your Warples and everything just sort of working and I, we, we spoke in the in the episode today in the review just about how 
you know, incredible. You, you mentioned a number of players that that was their best game. And their forward line looks unbelievable now with Gunston, Bruce. Just Gunston was unreal. Yeah. So Hawthorne, where, where do you think they're at? Are they able to beat the Cats? I'll, yeah. I, obviously they are. Yeah. And uh, history says that this is a toss of the coin game. Yeah. There's only been three games that I can remember since... 2007, where it's been more than sort of 20 points. So uh, you would expect this to be the same. Um, you You'd and think I, so, yeah. You and I, uh, aside from grand final day, this is like Christmas day for we you We do you and traditionally I. go to the game. Yeah. yeah. Even though, yeah. We, well, at least do Easter Monday, which is a classic game. And then if they back up with the second game, we're trying to get to it. So this is going to be, I think, on the same mould as both teams' games from last week. Yeah. It, it'll have a bit of that sort of really tough, uh, physical, uh, congested type of football that we saw a little bit more in the Richmond-Geelong game. Yeah. And then it parts and we'll see it open up uh, like we did the Hawthorne-Essendon game. And that's mainly because of the, the both the teams match up really, really well. Obviously, you would say Hawks have got the advantage in the ruck, but yeah. then Geelong have the advantage on in the mids. Yeah, the ruck's Just, an interesting one, isn't it? Because yeah. Stanley was a laid out last week. So we'll, we'll pivot a little, let's pivot a little bit into the Cats. So the Cats obviously... Pushed Richmond for a good two and a half to three quarters. They were mindful of tactically a lot of the things they needed to not do. So the overhand ball, all the things that we've been discussing over the last few weeks. They did a lot of very clever things on the day. So you and I spoke about how they blocked Edwards very well. They blocked a lot of the you know the key elements. Obviously, it's so hard with Richmond because you block you know two or three of their key elements and then two or three of their other key elements, like your yeah. Lamberts and stuff like that, get off the chain. So it's very, very difficult to cover all of that off, and that's why they're a very good side. But they still did very, very well, so credit yeah, where credit's absolutely. due. You know, Ablett kicks that goal, they win, but then Menzel, they had plenty of chances. So it was such a, a very, very close game. Yeah. So, you know, both teams in very good position. Both teams look really good. It should be an absolute belter. I think it's going to come down to, you know, it's going to, uh, you'd think it's going to be a fairly open game, I, I think often for me, because Geelong finish so well, they always do. They always come and come and come. They're, they're the you know they're the sort of you know Michael Myers of AFL teams. You just can't kill them. So they're always going to come back and back and back and back. And one more death scene. But I, I think the the thing for me is the key for Hawthorne is, is starting very very well. I think if they can control the tempo early. And if they can can nullify at least a little bit, because you know Dangerfield's going to get thirty. You know Selwood was fantastic as well, both of them, but very much obviously the the major one. But it's yeah, it's it's a funny scenario. But I think if they can early on, if they can control the game and just just you know get Bruce Gunson one of them off the chain early, get two or three early, and just sort of try to hold that pace. But it's it's tough because they're always going to come home. Yeah, absolutely. So I th- yeah I tend to agree that I you probably won't see too many hard tags, and there won't be hard no. tags for the entire game. They I might do so. periods where Selwood may go into Mitchell and uh, Shield might go into uh, Dangerfield yeah. or, or or the other Selwood. But I think where Geelong have got up. And, and exposed Hawthorne, they'll do again, and it's the way they played against Richmond on the weekend. So they'll attack the corridor, and the advantage they've got is Hawkins mm. will outdo Frawley on a one-on-one. You would think so, so and and he, we, especially in the form he's been in. Yeah, absolutely. He had a down week over the weekend, but that's because of Richmond's combined uh, defensive structures. So, yeah. And I'm not saying Hawthorne don't have it. Obviously, Stratton, he's, he's reading the ball really well. He's back to his All-Australian form from a couple of years ago. But without Sicily still, I think it puts a lot of pressure on the smaller, younger um, backs. Although, yeah. it'd be interesting to see. It's a Saturday afternoon at the G, yeah. so that probably lends in Hawthorne's favour of possession style. They like running around the boundary and, and, and playing keepings off, yep. but they showed on the weekend that they know how to win the contested footy now. So that makes it even more intriguing. Yeah. So, yeah, I expect this to be down to the wire after the siren type you would, game again. You think it's going to be that close, doesn't yeah, it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It has that feeling about, obviously, we're only three weeks out from finals. It's a mini-final both in a lot teams, of Both teams are... F- trying to hold on to top eight positions well, and or Hawks get in. Hawks are playing for the top four and yeah. Cats are playing for the so top big, eight. Big, so big, big asks. Uh, obviously, Geelong have still got a couple of games after that yep. back at uh, the Cattery. So they'd still want to... Both teams will still want to win this. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, and even a draw probably helps both of those teams in their in their quest That's for the finals. True. But 
I, I don't see that Maybe they happening. just agree on a draw. Yeah, maybe. So, yeah, it'll be fascinating. And obviously, then there's the inclusions or the guys that may be carrying injuries for Geelong. Mental mm. is not a 100% guarantee, but they might get Stuart. So, yeah, there's lots to play out between so that's now and the, the weekend. Still. Yeah, so we're recording this Tuesday night, so we don't know the specific ins and mm. outs. But it sounds, I would imagine Hawthorne go relatively unchanged. And then it sounds like the Cats... Yeah, the question will be around Stanley and then also what's going on with Stewart because that, that would be amazing if he's able to get up so quickly after that injury. But it, it, it sounds like he's a serious chance. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously there's still Harry Taylor. Who, who knows? They he's don't in the know. wilderness, isn't he? Yeah, they just don't know because of that unusual injury he's got in his foot. Yeah, so definitely check out the episode tomorrow. We'll go into that that game yeah. pretty heavily in terms of you know the specific tactics and where we see it being played out and yeah. you know, we, we might go into a few other matchups and a, a bit more specifically but let's get into question time so definitely hit us up with any questions still plenty of time to get some in so we've got to send a bunch of questions this week because obviously so much drama and so much going on, going we, on. We, we probably won't be able to get to anyone all of them so i apologize if we do miss your question yeah but we'll start at the top so do we need a red card? So obviously in relation to the, the gaff scenario and you know Cameron and some of the things that have happened this year, where, where do you stand on, on the red card? We haven't discussed this on the, on the podcast as yet. It hasn't really come yeah. up. So. It's an interesting one. And obviously it works well in some other uh, football Sports, codes. Yeah. And a lot of people who are into NRL have said, well, it's helped sort of pull that out of the game. I'm like, since when I still see people punch each other in the head in NRL yeah. so I don't, I don't know where that comment come from and I don't think that's going to help AFL uh, as far as it's it, at the end of the day this type of stuff comes back to education and, and getting into the players heads that mm. no matter what the other opposition players are doing to you hitting is just not on so yeah. I think it's more to do with as a collective AFL community from the AFL headquarters through the coaching at club level and players backing each other and supporting each other, it's just saying, guys, just know that you're going to get people in your head and you just can't retaliate with a punch. Not even if you think you're going to punch them in the leg like because that guy might slip over and you clip him in the, shoulder, in the yeah. face and all that type of stuff. And ultimately, this could have been on the temple and we could be talking about someone in a coma. I know that's extreme, no, but, but that, it, it's happened in local football. So it's happened, to, well, people, yeah, it's it's happened a, bunch a bunch of times. times. So it, it's so serious that I think education is, is where it's at. I think given how poorly at times things are adjudicated in the AFL, I worry about how it could play out if we did introduce it. And I'm not trying to be too negative, but given how poorly things... It's like, oh, well, let's bring a projected zone. Look at that. Like, well, look, look, how many things have been brought in? And they've been treated and dealt with really poorly. So it does make me nervous. Yeah. I, but at the same time, for incidents like the ones we're talking about with Cameron and Gaff, as an example, these extreme incidents that are clearly going to get referred to the tribunal, clearly, on the day, you can clearly see that. Mm. Why should the team on the day, who's had a player get smashed out for the whole game, what, what, why should the person that did the smashing have an extra player on the ground. I mean, half the time that person that's, you know, injured someone so heavily is not going to have a great day out. It's not like they, you know, knock someone out and then kick seven. Like, generally they're a bit upset and, you know, you look at Gaff, I'm surprised he even went back on the ground, which is another whole discussion which we didn't and he, go into. I but mean, he ended up having a, a standard day out. Well, he had 20 disposals when he went for the round arm, so I... And a kick to goals. So, yeah, I agree in, in really extreme, but then it has to be clear as day out uh, guidelines as to how that is adjudicated. Yes, I agree. Bringing in a, I mean, Razor Ray, for example, could just go, you know what, I just want to get my head on TV and just pull out red cards left, right and centre. Oh, mate, Ray. So, yeah, yeah. It, I, you wouldn't want it for all circumstances, but I guess in extreme circumstances, the, AF, uh, the umpire should have that ability or right mm -hmm. to go, mate, you're off the ground until that player either comes think, back on. Yeah, I think given, it, given how, I, it's... You know, it's funny in the NBA, they have the tech fouls and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, when you get so many in a row, then you're out. And it, it, there, there it's a bit different. It's a bit easier to adjudicate. Yeah, smaller because area. Because it's a much smaller area, way less players. It's much easier to see. The They've umpires got, are absolute professionals. They're right they're treated, too. Well, well, they're professionals. They're That's what they do. Yes. Some of them are very, very good. Some are not as good. But generally speaking, they've got some incredible ones. Yeah. That's the, that's, and we speak about this constantly. It's the... the 
the misunderstandings and confusion around adjudication of our game, which is very confusing, and, and how the umpires need to be far more professional and, and all that stuff, that whole conversation is a bigger issue than congestion. Absolutely. Without a doubt. And we've been saying that constantly yeah. for over a year, but it seems that we've got to go to Coburg and make a bigger goal square. That's the... Of course, bigger the goal main, square. That's the main part. So we'll keep moving, but yeah, I think the answer is probably yeah for the, the big... I think I, I'm swung over to it now. I think for the, the answer is yes for the bigger issues. Yeah, I agree. Like this, yeah. So next one, uh, should, someone said, should Brayshaw press charges? So that's a pretty <laughs> big question deep into the, the show. I mean... Look, it's it's Ulti- a hard one. Yeah. Ultimately, I was thinking about it this afternoon. Gaff, if he was really remorseful, I'm not saying he's not, but he could offer to pay for all the medical um, expenses out of his own back pocket. Might be expensive. Yeah. But that just shows... Well, he gets paid a squillion bucks anyway. He does get paid pretty well. Pretty well, yeah. but that's ongoing. That would just say, you know, I stuffed up, taking ownership of his actions. He made a gaff. Yeah, made a gap, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. So, <laughs> look, it, entirely up to the individual player. I wouldn't be upset if he did. I wouldn't, I wouldn't begrudge him for doing so. I think I'd probably, if I got smacked in the, in the face on any sporting field, I'd be probably up for taking them to court and suing for, just for expenses that I'm going to incur for the rest of my life. I well, mean, AFL, I think, so the, the Freo will have to cop, there'd be some sort of insurance. Oh, they are. Thing. But, but yeah, yeah it's, it, they'll yeah. cover it, but there's... Maybe he donates to, like, the foundation people that get smashed in the face and don't yeah. have insurance. I, I, mean, I don't know. Terry Wallace, is, I mean, it's, again, it's very different back in the 80s, but Terry Wallace is still having to pay for something that happened to him in 1986. Yeah, wow. He's, so he's going for, he said... My birth, 86. Yeah, yeah he's, he's paying for it still. Yeah, so 20, he's got an ongoing doctor uh, dental bills yeah. um, to get his uh, whatever, the fracture really? in his jaw. Yeah, it's going to cost him 10 or 15 grand. So, wow. yeah, so you've got to understand that this, what's happened to Brayshaw, ha, it's, it's going to be with him for at least 30 years. So he's going to have to constantly go back and get his jaw uh, looked at. Wow. Let's yeah. keep moving and we'll go into something different other than the gaff questions because we could be here all night. All night, yeah. So for another club and some other supporters, so with uh, so the news today, so this this is the thing, there's been so many things that have other come news, out. We haven't yeah. even covered it. So like Sam Gibson retired. retired. So yeah, end of the year, he's he's finishing up and also... So uh, North and um, Adelaide players. Player. Good player. And he just couldn't, yeah, got injured uh, or was injured as he moved over to Adelaide and only got a handful yeah. of games in. So he was a senior player, I think 32, 33, and he's called quits. And I don't know if he was that old, but something in and around there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then, and then uh, as of today, as well. yeah, Matt uh, Rosa, mm. who's at the Gold Coast, but um, started his career at West Coast, played 207 games in total. Has been there, it was started in 2005, so he, he's yeah. been there for the uh, very close and the and the in the premiership year, never played in any of the grand finals for Mary, but yeah, he's called it a day today as well. The other thing is Scully. So this question was, mm. someone sent this in just before we started recording, is how do you think that's going to affect the Giants run at the flag? No Scully. Yeah. So uh, there was all the talk that he was going to be back before the finals. Look, you know, they were playing really good football. For me, I think what happened on the weekend, losing more players is yeah. more detrimental because now the depth's gone. Dawson's a big out. Yeah, big out. Their, their midfield it goes bats really, really it's deep. It's crazy, so, but it actually probably doesn't affect them that much, does no, it? Not, it's, a, it's an amazing it's a scary, That's scenario. a scary proposition of yeah. that GWS. Is Had he come back, then who, wow. who knows what happens. Yeah. But no, I, 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 I still think right here, right now, Richmond and then GWS, they're top two for the flag. Well, that, that was our one of our main pre-season yeah. flags. But I guess it wasn't too hard of a guess because it was you know a team that had done two prelims in a row, had been really good at uh, you know, exploding with talent against the team. Yeah, got jokers on everywhere. Yeah, so I think the, to the answer to that question... Probably not. I probably mean, not. GWS no. will be fine. They'll be fine, yeah. The other one, which again, we would probably normally talk about a bit more. So Ablett versus Dermot, what did you guys think? So Gary Ablett was fairly heavily criticised by Dermot Brereton on Fox footy just gone after the Geelong game for not getting uh, physical enough. And, you know, what his argument made no sense. Basically, he was saying that, you know, he, he basically had a go at him for, you know, A, not kicking that goal at the end, but then B, also you know, not taking the tackler on and bringing the ball to ground and creating another scenario if he couldn't kick it. And oh, look, he's a bit senile, I think, Brayden. So the, what, what do we think? <laughs> yeah, I think some the of the, Well, I, I think a lot of the 
um, ex-footballers who are now commentators yeah. just actually need to have a step away from football altogether and experience some other things in life because mm. the game that they played in the 80s, the 90s, even the early parts of the 2000s are completely different. And Gary Ablett is in his twilight. So he might not have the gas in the tank to be able to do those second, third efforts. So to have a go at him... And he let's be honest, Dermy Dermy yeah. made some mistakes in his in his career. Yeah. Um, two or three. Two or three. <laughs> yeah. So after retiring from Hawthorne, probably shouldn't have continued to play. <laughs> anyway, and so, then well, Ablett's played like another almost another hundred. Yeah. Well, played more than a hundred games. Yeah, it's more really than and again, it, it's really easy to poke the stick at a superstar that makes a little mistake here and there because uh, he's held on a pedestal. Yeah. Oh, a dumb call for just again. Let Gary be. Just yeah. let him play footy and Poor guy. And, and just get on with it's it. I not mean, his he doesn't. Fault. Have, yeah, and, and good on him. It doesn't affect. It's a him. hard shot too. It wasn't yeah. like it was directly out in front. The the Rainer thing was was clearly worse. But he's a first was player. Worse. The wine thing was yeah, pretty bad so, as well. So I don't know. There's. I think it's Dermy's Hawthorne side coming out. So all right, let's rev Geelong up it before we like play that them. Was yeah. The case, yeah. So. Well, the irony is they'll probably poke the bear and Ablett will come out and get oh, 48 next week. So Too much peroxide in his head. That's it. Well, look what happened with Buddy just gone as well. The champs tend to, uh, tend to turn, turn it on it when you have a go at them. So, so we better get going. Sorry we didn't get to everybody's questions. Obviously, massive night with the gaff news, the eight weeks just coming up. Had to get into it. Well, right, right before we started, so we have to cover that, obviously. But really appreciate you guys watching and you know definitely tune in every week. We're going to do a show, 7.30 Australian Eastern Standard Time on the same place you are here every week right up through into the grand final. So we'll cover all sorts of different things as we go. We'll let a little bit of the news sort of dictate it, but we're going to do some dissections of games and it's probably time, hopefully no one punches anyone, it doesn't go too crazy next round because it would be good to do like a ladder recap as well because the ladder's sort of changed quite a bit in the last few weeks and looking the round ahead, it looks like it could change even more. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see whether the eight at the end of next, after this weekend is set and forget and just a matter of rejuggling who's mm. in the eight or whether it's still open for 10 teams to be in there because we've still got 10, which is technically 11, but the 10 legitimate probably teams. Probably 10 legitimate yeah, yeah, that can still um, play finals. So very interesting. So yeah, it'd be good. So That's it. if any players are out there watching, do not throw punches. No do not, punch. No kicking. Kick it through the big sticks. No pulling Avoid the, the post. All of that. All of that. So we just want to talk play about footy. the game. Just That's play it. footy and be nice to the umpires and all that good stuff. Check out AFL Deep Dives. So check out the podcast we've got the review up right now which we did last night we've got yep. the preview coming, coming up tomorrow. tomorrow check out all the beyond the game videos check out all the stuff that ed does he's pretty switched on lots of really interesting sports content definitely check it all out thanks so much for listening and, and we'll see you next week and doing his producing yeah thanks ed you're a star thanks buddy thanks guys see you Peace. later